All right. Who's glad to be at church? Is there anybody glad to be in God's house today? Come on. Hey, I'm so thankful you're here today. And, and also for everybody who's online with us as well, if you're on the other side of the camera, we're grateful that you're part of our church family, wherever you're watching from, whenever you're watching. Uh, we're glad that you're with us. And so well, just one more time, church, can we welcome everybody who's on the other side today? Let them know it's good to see you. We're glad you're with us. Glad you're part of our church. And if, if you're a guest today, I want to just take a moment, welcome you, say thank you for being at church, thank you for being here, and um, one of the things that we would love to be able to do for you over the next few weeks is just keep you in prayer, and one of the ways we can do that is through what we call a connection card, and uh, when you came in today, you received a worship guide at the, at the uh, doors on your way in. Inside that worship guide's a, a connection card there. You can let us know how we can be praying for you. What, can, what, what is it in your life that you maybe you're going through? And, and here's our promise to you. Every week we pray for, our staff gathers every Tuesday. We pray over every one of those cards by name. And then also every Saturday we lift up those cards in prayer as well. And so we just want to keep you in prayer. And if, if you have any need whatsoever, if, if you're a regular here, if you're a first-time guest, uh, would you fill out that connection card and at the end of the service put that in the, the offering containers that passes, and that'll be our way to know you're with us, but also be praying for you in the weeks ahead. Because how about this? How about God still answers prayer? God's, he's still moving. He's still doing great things. And so let's just believe that God is going to answer whatever needs. In fact, God is doing some miracles. Just in the last week, I've heard about uh, two different people. One, one person was in the early service. Uh, he sits right back in this area uh, every week, and in 2020, he was given six months to live. He's still here, everybody. God's working in his life. God's healing his body. Yeah, it's incredible. And then, and then heard another testimony of a lady who was going to have to have her leg amputated, but by God's grace, the doctors don't have an explanation. She doesn't have to have that happen anymore. God's healed her, and she's healed. So we just believe... We believe in, in, in the power of prayer. So before we get into the message today, I wanted to just mention um, next week is the beginning of a brand new series that we're calling Generosity Unleashed. And we just want to talk about uh, what, what is it that God wants us to do with the resources and the things that he's given us. How can we use it to make a difference in the world around us? It's not just for us, but it is to make a difference. And really, it's to plunder hell and to populate heaven. Come on. It's to make an eternal difference. And so we kick off that series next week, which is going to lead us up to At the Movies, which starts November 19th. Come on. One of our favorite series of the year. If you know anything about it, it's going to be an incredible time. So we just take some famous blockbusters and we, we kind of take the Bible and we, we put them together and we see what lessons, what spiritual lessons we can learn. And this year, it's November 19th through the 3rd. And this is a great opportunity for you to just be uh, praying about who God wants you to bring. Who does he want you to have sitting next to you? Because I promise you this, you, you will never be more involved in a service than when someone next to you gives their life to Jesus. Like you, you will, it, it's, it makes, it's, it's incredible. And so just be praying. Who does God want you to have with you during that series? Because it's going to be, it's going to be powerful. All right. Now, uh, we're in week six of a series we're calling Counter Culture. So what we've been doing in this series is we're trying to learn how do we 
live a life that is counter to the culture around us, a culture that oftentimes opposes our values, oftentimes opposes what we believe, um, our Christian ethics, some of those things. How do we live? How do we stand firm and love well? If you're a guest with us today, maybe it's your first time, we've been studying how do we stand firm but love well at the same time? How do we have truth and how do we have grace? How, do we, how can we do both? And I think that the church at large, capital C Church, has not done this very well. I don't know, if, I don't know about you, but like when I look at uh, the church at large, I see a lot of Christians who either take a stand and they have no, no hope for anybody. It's like, man, I'm, I'm destined for hell. There's nothing I could ever do to make these people happy, or God for that matter, right? It's just like, I'm, there's no hope. Or it's a group of people that uh, it's, this, it's this anything goes mentality. You don't have to have standards. You don't have to have principles. You don't have to have um, any sort of morals. Just anything goes. God's okay with all of it. And how many of you know that that's not true either, right? And so it takes both. It's both and. It's, it's truth and grace. And so today, um, what we're going to focus on is not the standing firm part. We're going to end this series focused on how do we love well. All right, that's all that we're going to be talking about today is how do we love well. And Paul said to the Galatians that the only thing that really matters in life, the only thing that counts is, is your faith being expressed through love. Your Christianity expressing itself through what? Love. That, that, you, would, that you would love people. Right, so it doesn't matter if you're right in an argument if you didn't help people, if you pushed people away from God, <laughs> right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, God has called us to influence our culture, and we can't influence our culture if nobody likes us. Christians are a bunch of judgmental people, man. You can't, can't do anything right. There's no hope. There's no life. No, no, no. We, God's called us to set the culture and, and not reflect it, and so... How do we do that? How do we, how do we love people? Well, uh, Jesus actually gives us a great teaching about it. And I, I don't know, I'd love to be there that night. In John chapter 13, he gives them a new command, which is kind of weird because it's like, well, where, so like, have y'all never talked about love before? <laughs> he goes, a new command I give you. And they're waiting. They're like on the edge of their seats. Like, man, what's this new command? What is this new command? And he goes, would you, would you just love one another? Would you just love each other? Is that too much to ask? Is, is it too difficult to ask you to love, to, to love one another as I've loved you? And he says, that's what I'm asking you to do. It's kind of like that old song. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Come on, just, just would you love one another? I wonder if Jesus thought... Hey, guys, I want to teach you something you've never heard before. Maybe he's being sarcastic. You know, it's like, love one another. And the disciples are like, what? This is deep, man. This is a new teaching. Wow. But here's the thing. Here's why he, he says, here's, here's a new command. It's because of this. By this, by the fact that you love one another, Everybody in the world, all men will know that you are Christians, that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me say it this way. The distinguishing mark of Christianity, what sets Christianity apart is the fact that we love one another. But if we don't love one another, what a terrible witness that is. 
You know what I'm talking about? What a terrible witness. Instead, what the, what the world has witnessed in the church is the world's on the outside looking at the churches that are splitting because the carpet's not the right color. Important stuff, you know. Churches that are splitting because the piano got moved from this side of the stage to that side of the stage. By the way, you, you want to know how to move a piano from one side to the other? One inch at a time. That's how you do it, right? In the old churches, just one inch at a time, just little by little. The, the, people on the outside of the church, they're, wa- they're watching churches that are fighting over silly things like churches that are splitting over the pastor wearing blue jeans. I mean, we're going to hell in a handbasket here, guys. We've got to do something about this. Churches that are splitting over the worship pastor's beard is too long. Now, you think I'm crazy, but this is, these are real reasons that churches split. Because we hadn't sang hymnals in two years. And by God, them hymnals is what Paul and them wrote, so we need to be singing it. Because if they were good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. There's nothing wrong against hymnals. I like hymnals. But all those things, are, it just doesn't matter, right? The world's looking at that, and, and they're watching people who are going... Well, they didn't come visit me last week when I had a corn on my toe and I couldn't come to church because of that. I couldn't walk real good. And, and I'm just quitting church because of that. Would you, would you quit church? Because we need some extra seats and it, it would just make things a little bit easier. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that's why churches are splitting over silly stuff and, and the world's watching it. And so I just wonder if we, can't live, if we can't love one another inside the church, how in the world are we going to love somebody outside the church? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So let, let's, let's, let's bring it back here. One, one of my favorite reasons why people quit church or they stop going to church is it's just not deep enough, preacher. It's, it's not deep enough. I, I, I need to be fed. Well, feed yourself. Amen. Feed yourself. If, if the only time you eat spiritually is on Sunday morning, you are going to be anemic, and that ain't my fault. <laughs> Feed yourself. Open up the Word. Read a little bit. Pray a little bit, even if it's five minutes a day. But don't, don't go, well, y'all just ain't deep enough down there for me. What that really means is I, I want a church that's just all about me, all about what I want and how I feel and what makes me feel good. I want a church uh, that, that's all about what I want. Uh, some people, what they mean is I want a church that's confusing, yeah. that, that teaches so deep that nobody understands what we're talking about, right? And so I'm going to get deep for you. Now, I could, I could get deep. I'm, in fact, I'm going to get deep in, uh, in just a few minutes. I'm, I'm going to give you some deep stuff, right? But... Um, I, I've been to Bible college, or I can give, I, can, I know Old Testament, New Testament survey, I, I've been through um, homiletics, hermeneutics, exegetics, I, I can, I can, I know how to use a concordance, I can tell you what some Greek words mean and some Hebrew words mean, but can I tell you today that someone who is drowning does not want to know the Hebrew meaning of the word life preserver, they want you to throw them the life preserver. They're drowning, get them to shore, Right? Just get them to safety. And then you can tell them all about the life preserver. But for right now, they just need to be saved. And that's how I feel as a church is that we, I, I can tell you all that stuff, but listen, I'm, I'm more concerned about the lost people. Can I say something bold? I'm more concerned about reaching people than keeping people. 
It's, there's lost and dying people around us, and we just need to be concerned for the thing that Jesus is concerned about, the reason that he came to give his life. I'm, I'm, that's all free right there. It didn't cost you anything. It wasn't in my notes. But we're going we're to get deep, okay? So you want to get deep? We want to get deep? Let me give you some deep teachings from Jesus. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who hate you. Lend to those without expecting anything in return. Y'all didn't like that because that's, that's, that's deep, okay? That's, listen, that's the basic teachings of Christianity. And if, you, if we can't even do those, how in the world? How, you, you, how, how are we going to think we're deep if we can't even live out the basic principles of Christianity? If we've got to start right here. We're not as deep as we thought we were, all right? So let's get down to the basics, and let's do this. Let love be our greatest aim, that we would love people, that we would, that we would care about people. If, we, if you're going to put a target on something, put the target on love and aim at love. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to spend the first part of my message. Y'all can tell it's good for me to take a weekend off every once in a while because I come back a little bit fired up, a little bit, a little bit chippy, right? So... So we're going to talk today about love, and we're going to study it from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's known as the love chapter. You see it all the time at weddings, and, and uh, really doesn't even have anything to do with like, it's, it's more about, it's wedged between chapters on spiritual gifts, but we use it a lot at weddings because he talks about what love is not and what love is, and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to address that today, what love is not, what it is, and then how do we love well, all right? So let's look at it. In your notes, number one, what we learn is this. Without love, without love, everything I say is ineffective. I mean, I might be right, but it doesn't matter if it's not said in love. I might be right, but if it's not helping somebody get close to Jesus, maybe I was wrong. And, and if, we, if we were honest, it's really not about being right, it's about being effective. Are we being effective in the kingdom of God? Are we being effective with people around us? It's not about winning arguments, it's about winning friends and winning those friends so that we can win them to heaven in Jesus' name. So Paul says, without love, like if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't love. So I said, I said the truth, I told them the truth, great. But if you didn't do it in love, you sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. That's all. It's a resounding gong. It's a, it's a clanging cymbal. So what if we did this? What if we made a commitment today to guard the words that come out of our mouth, to put a filter over the words that come out of our mouth, and, and that we would speak the truth, but do it how? In love. We would do it in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Did you know that you become more like Jesus when you speak the truth in love? If you want to be like Jesus, do it in love. Whatever you do, do it in love. The last part of Ephesians 4 says, don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So let's make a commitment that we're going to build people up. We're not, we're not going to tear them down. We're not going to tell them how bad they are, how lazy they are, how, how wrong they are. Come on, that's not going to help anybody. But, what, but here's what we can do. We can build them up. We can encourage them. We can, we can strengthen them with our words. And, and we can set an example that would be an example they'd want to follow. 
So without love, everything I say is ineffective. It it's doesn't matter. And I, I love um, how God gives me opportunities sometimes to experience uh, and, and learn and grow from a message before I ever give it to you. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever taught before. Sometimes God will give you an opportunity to, to learn from something that you're teaching before you teach it to everybody else. Um, so, so this past Wednesday, I was, uh, I was teaching at First Wednesday. We had our First Wednesdays, powerful time, and, and, I, and I love it, right? I love First Wednesdays. Everything about it is always great. And... Um, and I know sometimes pastors get put on pedestals, like, wow, he, he doesn't have any problems. He came from the preacher factory, and he doesn't, he doesn't really have any issues like we have. And the truth is, I'm human just like everybody else. I mess up, I fall, I fail, I, I, God's still working on me, right? But at first Wednesday, I was... Um, there was so much going on. And if you've ever talked in front of a lot of people like this, there can be a lot of distractions, a lot of moving pieces, and you, it, can, it can really get you flustered. And, and this past Wednesday was one of those moments where I, I had the hardest time delivering a message that I've, I've had in a long time. There was so much going on. And it's, it's, I'm trying not to let it show. I'm trying to deliver a message that I felt like it's from the Lord. But I have all these all these things that are happening in my head and I'm getting frustrated. And, and, and our students sit together at, at first Wednesdays and you know what happens when you get about 100 students together. They cut up sometimes and, they, they, and, and I keep going like this and I, something's catching my eye. I hear something over there. And, and towards the end of my message, I, I look over and I, I'm kind of up to here with it, with all the distractions. <laughs> and I look over and I see two of my boys that are kind of cutting up. And I, I took out all of my frustrations on them publicly in front of the whole church. I said, Murray boys, straighten up. And, you know, in the moment, I, I realized later on I could have said it a whole lot different way. I could have said students. I could have said anything. But I called out my own two boys uh, in front of everybody. And... I realized later on, it was, it, was done not, it was done in frustration. It wasn't done in love. And I apologized to them after the service. I said, guys, I'm, I was wrong. I am so sorry. I shouldn't have called them. How many of you know that sometimes pastors, kids have this, they have this kind of expectation on them that they got to live a certain way? And, 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 and I reinforced that, that I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And I stand before you today. And those of you who were at First Wednesday, you, you, maybe you thought it was just part of the message. But I'm asking you to forgive me as your, as your, as your pastor. Will you forgive me for, for just not acting in love towards my own boys in front of everybody? And if you weren't here, thank you. But if you weren't here, um, thank you. But if you weren't here at First Wednesday, I want you to also take that as, I want you to learn something from this. That, listen, yeah, it was my boys, and yeah, I could call them out and all that, but, but I, I don't need to make an example of them in front of everybody. I was wrong. I, I, everything I said was ineffective after that to them. And so I want us to learn that lesson. Let's build others up and not tear them down. Amen, everybody? Amen. All right, here we go. Here's, here's number two. 
Without love, all I know is insignificant. We live in a culture today that's all about knowledge. Okay, it's all about, we, we have bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, doctorate degrees, and, and people go to school for years and years and years, and that's fine and dandy. We're, we're gaining knowledge, but we're losing love. We're getting smarter, but our world is getting worse. Come on, somebody. Y'all know it's true. We're getting smarter, but the world is getting worse around us. And here's the thing. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's time to show some love. It's time, to, it's time to do it because if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, Paul says it's worthless. It's useless if I don't have love. Without love, Paul says all I believe is, is insufficient. It's insufficient. My belief in Jesus is not a good motivator if I don't love people. By God, y'all, y'all need to get your act together. I believe in Jesus. He's going to send y'all to hell for acting like that. It's not a good motivation. Guilt is never a good motivation. I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to stir up something inside of people to want to love God more. And if we fall lo- in more in love with God, maybe we'll fall less in love with the world, right? So, so if it, it, the Bible actually says that if you don't love people, you don't love God. Now you, don't, you don't get mad at me about that. I didn't say it. God said it. And, and John, that if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, oh, I love Jesus, but you've got something against your brother, you will lie. Oh, no, no, take it up with John. You're a liar. You don't, you don't love God because you don't love his creation. He says, how can, you, how can you love your brother whom you have seen when you, you can't love God whom you haven't seen. Whoever does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So Paul says, if I have faith that can move mountains, I'm a Christian, I go, I go to City Hope, I got, the, I got the sticker on my window. But you're also... Telling people they're number one while you're driving down the highway? Come on. That's not love. Nothing. You gain nothing by doing that. All right. Here's here's number, number four. Without love, all I give is incomplete. And you guys are a generous church. I, you, you make me so proud to pastor you. To, that you are so generous. I love how you... You love people, right? But the amount of money you give does not matter. It's the sacrifice that matters. It's do you love what you're giving, the, the people that you're giving toward? Do you love the missions? Do you love the people that are getting needs met on first Saturday serve? Do you love those in Cuba and Uganda and, and Guatemala and, and Mexico? Do you love the mission of City Hope Church? Are, is that what you're in love with or are you in love with the amounts that you give? Because it's, without love, all I give is incomplete. So far this year, you have given almost $214,000 outside the walls of City Hope Church. You're making a difference. You're changing lives. It's incredible. But if we gave our entire budget away, it wouldn't matter if we didn't love people. It doesn't matter if you don't love people. It's pointless. 
Paul says it. He says, if, you, if I give all I possess to the poor, if I gave it all away, it's pointless. Here's the, the fifth one. Without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. We're in a culture that, that values accomplishment. Look what I did. Um, accolades, achievements, popularity. We're in a culture that really admires promotions and raises and look at this new toy, this new house that I got. All, all of that's fine and dandy, but are you accomplishing the right things? Are you accomplishing the right things? So you've got to remember there's two, there's two judgments. When Jesus comes back, there's two judgments. The first judgment is your eternal destination. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to spend eternity, heaven or hell? We believe in both. We still believe the Bible is 100% accurate. And there is heaven and there is hell. And we're going to spend eternity in one... Listen, we're going to live forever in one of those two places. All right? Eternal life in heaven, eternal death in hell. That's the first judgment. The second judgment is, is what did you do while you were on earth? How did you use your gifts? How did you use... What did you do with Jesus while you were here? Was it all about you or did you use your influence to make it all about him? To point people to Jesus. How did you treat people? Did you love the widows and the orphans and the vulnerable and the marginalized? Did you take care of the people around you? Did you plunder hell and populate heaven with everything that you had? That's, that's something that we're going to be judged on. And so Paul says it this way. He says, if I give all my body over to hardship so that I can boast. In other words, if, if I do all of this stuff, if I accomplish all of these great things in life, but I don't have love, then what? I gain nothing. I am nothing. I have nothing. And so then the question is, what does real love look like? If that's not love, if accomplishments doesn't, if, if it makes me, me insufficient, ineffective, what is real love, Pastor Ben? What's real love? And there's only one place you find it. It's in, it's, it's in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Paul talks about it. He shows us what love is in verse 4 through 8. He says love is patient. Love is kind. We're talking about love outside of these walls. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love does, it's not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Some of y'all have record of wrongs in your phone. Like you just got a, you got a couple lists in there and she did this and he did that. I'm going to tell. Delete it, right? Keep no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. It even goes on to say that the three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Love, love, love. So question of the day, how do we do it? How do we love them? How do we love well? And I think we need to love like Daniel loves. We need to learn to love like Daniel loves. See, Daniel grew up in, he, he, he was born and grew up in Israel, but then his homeland was captured and he was taken away to modern day Iraq, which is, it's called Babylon in the Bible. 
Now, here's what you would need to know is that uh, most of that culture then, and it's true today, that most of uh, the Middle Eastern lands, they despise Jewish people. It, it's, it's, it's just the, the truth. There's, there is a hate, a hatred for Jewish people, for Israel. It was true of Daniel. Yet somehow God elevated Daniel to places of authority in a land that hated him. Under, how's that possible, right? Well, it's possible because he lived a certain way. Like he was polite. You never see him going off the rails. You never see him like, you know, uh, tipping over stuff and, you know, cussing people out. You know, you never see him doing that. He's polite, but yet he, he also influences the culture around him to the point that he earns the respect of all the kings, all the people in authority. Well, not all. We'll read about some of those in just a second. And you read about some last week, too. But this is Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to study some things that Daniel did. All right, how do we love well? Well, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. These are just like government officials who are going to serve throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them. So they have three kind of governors over them leading them. One of those administrators was Daniel. So in a culture that hates him, in a culture that doesn't value his values, in a culture that is against him, God is elevating him. And I believe that God wants to do that today in, in our city, in our state, in America, that God wants to elevate some Christians, some believers who, who they're just different kind of people. And the culture around us is going to start to notice, man, there's something different about these Christians. Come on, somebody. It's time for that to happen. And so... So the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. And now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. And I want to push pause right here. Because Daniel didn't just have the it factor. Daniel wasn't just born with all of these innate abilities that, that made him stand out in front of people. It says that he distinguished himself. Maybe he wasn't like that originally, but he knew if I'm going to make a difference in this culture, if I'm going to be counterculture, I'm going to have to make some decisions, some difficult decisions, and live a, a, a kind of way that is attractive to the people around me. And so he made these distinguished, distinguished himself by exceptional qualities. Is this making sense to you? And there's some things, and by the way, I would just say that there's some things that you can do in your life that will set you apart in your family, in your workplace, wherever you are, that people will say there's something different about them. And when they realize that you're a Christian, they'll be like, oh, tell me about this. Like, what, what church do you, what, what, tell me how, what's God doing in your life? How, how's this possible? How, I, man, I would have never guessed. Not that we were keeping it secret, but that, but that somehow... The way we lived was just attractive to people. And they go, wow, you're, you're not the kind of Christians that I'm used to seeing. The judgmental mean hateful people. I'm spending too much time here. Let me, let me move on. So at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. And, and this is where when you, when you live a certain way, people are going to notice and not everybody's going to like it. I don't, I don't want to pretend like it's all going to be butterflies and rainbows because it's not. But 
They were, looking, they were looking for something in his conduct. They wanted to bring charges against Daniel, try to find something in his conduct of government affairs. But guess what? He was a person of character, and so they couldn't. It goes on to say that they could find no corruption in him because he was, he was a person of integrity. He was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Somebody asked me one time, man, I want to earn your trust. How can you trust me? Be trustworthy. That's how you earn somebody's trust. You, you want to earn someone's trust in your workplace? Be trustworthy. If they tell you something, keep it. Don't go around and be like, did you hear what happened over there? No, don't, don't do that. Be trustworthy. And there was, there was nothing corrupt or negligent about him. And so finally, they gave up. Finally, they said, we'll never find any basis for charges against him. Like he's squeaky clean. We can't find anything about this guy. What's up with this? And so here's the thing. Daniel chose to live a life. He chose to, to distinguish himself with exceptional qualities. Now, there's some things about Daniel that he couldn't change. He couldn't change his nationality, which was typically hated by most other nationalities in that region in that day and still today. He couldn't change that. He couldn't change where he was from. He couldn't change uh, his anything. And, and all, the same is about, true about us. Listen, I can't, I can't change some things about my life. I can't change that I'm short. I can't change that. I've been short all my life. People sometimes tell me after church, you're a lot shorter than you look on stage. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. I can't change that. I can't change who my parents were. I can't change where I was born. I can't change my past. But I can change some things about today that will affect tomorrow. Come on, somebody. I can change the way I live. I can change some of the things that I believe and some of the things I participate in. I can change the way that I'm going to act. I can change the way that I'm going to live so that will influence people around me today and tomorrow and for generations to come. That's a choice I can make, and it's a choice you can make. That today, we, we make a choice. Now, you've got to remember, choices lead, feelings follow. You may not feel like making the choice, but you do it anyway. You make the choice. So let me give you three choices that you can make to love people well. All right? Number one, serve them. Serve them. If you want to love people well, well you've got to serve them. Now, the, find a way to serve people in your sphere of influence. Well, pastor, I'm the boss, dadgummit. They're here to serve me. This, this is even better because when you're the boss, you do something called servant leadership and you put your people above yourself and you, you take away your, your private parking spot and you give it to the person who is the employee of the month. I worked hard for that, brother. I ain't doing that. When we moved into this building, there was, there was pastor parking all along the curb out here. They made the people in the handicap rows park in the back. I'm, I'm digressing for a moment to just tell you. I don't need a parking spot. 
We don't need a parking spot. We serve the people around us. We make a difference in the people around us. We put other people first. That's what Philippians says to do. That's why we tell our dream team, park at the junior league. Park across the street. Take a shuttle here. Why? So that we can leave parking spots open in the back for people who are attending church on the weekends because we're here to serve, not be served. Right? And that's what we've got to do. So how do I serve people, Pastor Ben? Find a need and fill it find a hurt and heal it? How do I serve somebody on my team, somebody in my family? What are they struggling in right now? Where do they need help? Do you have eyes for what they're going through right now? Have you noticed that, they, that, that they've been struggling with their electric bill or they're struggling with some finances, that the marriage is going through a tough time or that there's somebody that's deathly ill in their family and all of their finances are going there? What could you do to heal their hurts? You serve them, right? Um, Paul showed us how to do this in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, that though I'm, I'm free, he says, I belong to no man. I could do whatever I want to do. I, I'm free, but I make myself, I purposefully make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible, to love people, to serve people. And Jesus did this. Jesus loved people well. He loved people well. Jesus was all-knowing. Like, you know, he could walk into a room, and he could look around the room, and he could know everybody in that room. He could know their faults, their failures, their deepest, darkest secrets. But he never called them on it. The only people he did that to was the, the religious leaders. He would rebuke them. But he, he, he could have walked into a room, and he could have said, Thomas, I saw you slow dancing a little too close to your girlfriend the other night. Thaddeus... You said my name when you stubbed your toe. <laughs> he could have he he done any number of those things to just point people's faults out and failures out. He didn't do it. Instead, what he did was he connected before he corrected. And I think that's something we can do. Before we go out here talking about how y'all going to hell, all that kind of stuff, let's, let's connect with somebody. Let's find out what's going on in their life. Let's discover where they're at. Let's discover why they're they're in the place that they're at. Let's, let's go to lunch with them. Let's have a coffee with them. Let's just, let's just talk and not even talk about church or God. Let's just discover. Let's connect. And Jesus did this with Zacchaeus. He's walking down the road one day, and, and Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He was short, all right? He was short. And he saw Jesus coming. But because he was short, he, could, he couldn't see him. He couldn't, so he climbed up in a tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus comes up to Zacchaeus, and he says, Hey, do you have lunch plans today? You want to hang out? You, you, you want to go get something to eat? He goes to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, hated by his own people because he robs his own people. He's a Jewish person who is... Uh, who is is lording over his Jewish brothers and sisters. He is robbing them as a tax collector. Jesus goes to lunch with him, and we don't know what happened, but when they come out, all of a sudden, Zacchaeus starts giving away all of his wealth to people that he's robbed. What happened? He connected, and then he corrected. I don't know what he said to him, but it must have been life-changing because what happens? All right, here's the second thing. Set an example for people. The, the world doesn't need more talk. They need some more action. 
They need somebody to set an example for them. They need to see from a Christian, what, what does it really look like? What does it really mean to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And I know for some people in this room, you think, man, I, I, mean, I can't do that. I don't, people wouldn't want to, they couldn't learn anything from my life. They couldn't learn anything from me. But the truth is, you don't have to be perfect to set an example. We, we could pass the microphone around this room and person after person would tell of how God's working in your life, how he's forgiven you, how he's cleansed you. And you'd talk about the addictions that you used to have and now you're free. And you would talk about how your marriage was on the rocks at one time, but now it's on the rock. And you would talk about how God is forgiving you and he's cleansing you and he's making you new. And you would say, hey, I know I'm not what I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. You, you do that. So one of the best ways you, you can do is just, is, is just be available. My availability gives God an opportunity to do a miracle through me. I just need to be available. God, what do you want to say? Where do you want to lead me? Ask him for some divine appointments. And here's number three, share Christ with them. How can we love people well? Serve them. Set an example for them and then share Christ with them. One of the best ways that you can share Christ with them is through your story. Just share your story. Share what God's done in your life. And maybe that'll lead to a conversation about Jesus. But share, share where you were. Share what you were going through. Share how you've been changed. We see this um, play out all the time in our first Saturday serve. Yesterday was first Saturday serve. Have dozens of people out on the streets just making a difference grilling hamburgers building wheelchair ramps mowing yards just just little things to make a difference going to the laundry mats giving giving people a bag of quarters with some laundry detergent and you would think that doesn't matter yes it does people will take that and they'll say man why are you doing this why, why are you giving this to me? Because God loves you. And I do too. What do you, is there anything we can pray with you about? Yeah, actually. And they'll begin to open up. They'll begin to talk about what, what their needs are. And maybe it even leads to an opportunity to lead them to Jesus Christ. All because you served them. You set an example for them. You, you didn't want anything from them. You wanted something for them. And then it opens up a door to share Jesus Christ. Why are you doing this? Because God loves you. And I do too. See, we've got to get to this point where we're always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, what's the reason for this hope that you have? See, for some of you, you can share Christ with somebody tomorrow at work. Somebody who's going through a difficult season, and, and, and man, they, they, they say, oh, it's just so much going on in my life. And you could just say one simple phrase, I wish you had the peace that I have. And they go, well, what kind of peace do you have? Now all of a sudden you have an opportunity to tell them what God's done in your life, to tell them how he's given you peace. And you do it with gentleness and respect. You do it with love keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So when it comes to loving others, let me wrap it up with this one thought. 
what you say isn't quite as important as how you act. How I act is way more important than the words that come out of my mouth. See, what the world is, needs to see is the two line up. They need to see that our, our actions are actually lining up with our words. How I act is way more important than what I say. Yesterday, I'm going to give you one more verse. Yesterday, I was reading in the one-year Bible, and some of you read that with us. Some of you follow along. Yesterday was Colossians chapter 3, and kind of gives a great example of this, putting, putting our faith into action. It says, since God chose you to be holy people that he loves... You've got to make a decision. You've got to, you've got an act. And that is you've got to put, you've got to clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. So you've got to, you've got to make a decision every day to put on these garments, to put on the garment of tender-hearted mercy, to put on the garment of kindness, to put on the garment of humility, to put on the garment of gentleness, to put on the garment of patience every single day. Why? Because it wears off every single day. And you, you've got you've to make allowances for each other's faults. You've got to forgive one another who offends you. Forgive somebody. Somebody today, this is the thing keeping you back. You've got to forgive somebody. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you've got to forgive somebody else. And he goes on to say that above all, clothe yourselves. Make a decision every day. I'm going to put on this garment of love. Clothe yourself with love because it binds us all together in perfect harmony. The world will know we're Christians by our love. The world will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ by our love. The world will want what we have when we live out this love. I'm telling you, this is going to become more and more. It's increasingly important to live out a life a priority of love every single day. Would you bow your heads with me today? Let me, um, let me pray for us. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room today, every one of us, God, that we would come to a place uh, so dependent upon you, so, so submitted to you, Lord, that we would be changed from the inside out. Lord, there's some people that we don't love. There's some people that we don't like. And God, we don't really get a choice in that matter. You've called us to love. You've called us to forgive. You've called us to show grace. You've called us to have truth, but also grace, to stand firm, but also love well. And Father, I'm praying that today you would let our, let our words build people up. Let our words encourage other people. Let our words be a blessing and not a burden. Father, I'm, I'm praying that today you would give us capacity to love people well. But Lord, we also know that we can't really love well unless we receive your love. We can't love well unless we receive your love. The, the Bible says, with your heads bowed, church, the Bible says that, that the only way we can love others is, is if we've received Jesus' love first. We only love because Christ loved us first. And so before you can love somebody else, you've got to receive his love. And, and I just think that maybe in this room today, there's some people who haven't received the love of Christ. You haven't received what God has done 
for you. That God loved you so much he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, to cleanse you, to wash you, to make you new, to give you hope, to give you a future. He died for you. He died to cleanse you of everything. But the truth is you, you, you're not really able to love other people right now because you haven't received his love. You've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to live life the way you want to live it. But today, it's, it's, time to, it's time to say yes to Jesus. It's time to give him all that you've got, to surrender complete control to him. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never said yes to him, on the count of three, I want, you to ask you to, I want to ask you to boldly lift up your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer today. If that's you, I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, to receive his love today. One, two, three. Come on, slip up your hand and just say, that's me. I'm ready to go all in. I see you. I see you back here. Anybody else would say, that's me. I'm ready to go all in, Ben. I'm ready to surrender, complete control. I see you, Todd. Anybody else? I see you in the back. God bless you. I'm proud of you. Every hand that's up. All right, let's say this prayer together today. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I need you. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me, wash me, and make me new. I'm desperate for you. From this day forward, I choose to serve you, to love you, to live for you the best that I know how. 